the debate over the benefits and risks of opening up the NHS to a greater diversity of providers has become riddled with scaremongering and confusion. The independent sector is now being portrayed as profit-hungry opportunists who cherry-pick, who divert valuable funds away from the NHS. And actually the traction that the political hysteria surrounding the NHS reforms has gathered has been quite amazing, considering that much of it has been based on myths and misleading facts. When you consider that the total services delivered by the independent sector still only represents less than 5% of the PCT budget, you know, the reality is we're a long way away from that slippery slide down into privatisation of the treasured NHS. And even in the unlikely case that, you know, we double this in the next five years, we're still only equating this to 10% of the budget. You know, it would be nice to be able to take politics out of health and base our debates on fact, but I don't think that's likely to happen in my lifetime. For me, the key argument is around having a diversity of provider and driving overall improvement in the system. It's about allowing patients the freedom to choose when and where they get their treatment. So who are Ramsey Healthcare and what has our experience been in a diversified marketplace? We're an Australian public company that have been around for 47 years. We operate hospitals. That's all that we do. We're now based on three continents. We've got 119 facilities, and we came to the UK in November 2011 when we purchased a group here called Capio. In all of the countries that we operate, we've managed to develop very close relationships with the government and partnerships. Uh, we've got a long history, 47 years, of actually integrating our services into the overall health economy. And Australia certainly has a very different model to the UK. It's got a much more balanced healthcare system where you've got um, public and private hospitals are working together. And while everyone does have access to a universally free system called Medicare, about 50% of the population choose to take out private health insurance. And there are actually incentives and disincentives put in by the government to promote that. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that um, economic studies have shown for each person that actually drops out of private health insurance, it costs the government two and a half times that investment to provide the care within the public sector. When we first came to the UK three and a half years ago, we came with a clear strategy to work with the NHS. It wasn't something that other providers were doing at that time. And what we've seen uh, is our business, which was really, we had 11 treatment centres, independent sector treatment centres, that were really the bulk of our NHS work. But with the introduction of choice, what we've done is we've worked hard to promote choice, and we've seen the NHS part of our business grow from about 23% of what we do to about 60% of, uh, of our business. Our private workers remain flat, and in fact the private market in the UK has been flat for, for many years. And because of our disciplined, I suppose, approach to operating hospitals and our lack of bureaucratic structures, we have been able to drive greater efficiencies through all our sites. We've flattened structures, we've removed duplication, we've introduced new care models, we've changed skill mix. We've had to fight against the economic environment that we're working in, and we've put in place a very strong corporate government framework. Our operating costs have been significantly reduced, and yet we have still seen continual improvement in all of our key clinical indicators. We have patient satisfaction and staff satisfaction of over 98%. 
And I think there is a lot of misconception out there about whether it's possible to deliver quality care and make a profit. It actually seems to me quite a simple argument that if you don't make a profit, then you don't have money to invest back into your facilities, into education, uh, into your own future. And, you know, you wouldn't think of, well, maybe some people would, you wouldn't think of actually running your home budget into deficit each year. It's just not a sensible way to manage your business. And actually, profit margins in healthcare compared to other industries are incredibly low. And I think it's easy to forget that it's not actually a level playing field out there. And the NHS has a number of advantages of accessing interest-free loans, pension benefits, tax benefits from separate funding sources, as well as the valuable assets to critical masses of patient activities that the private sector, independent sector, doesn't have. And after many years of working in the health sector and um, here and overseas and in surveying and accrediting hospitals, I'm a great believer that quality actually costs less, not more. The simpler the system, the flatter the structure, and the more we streamline and standardize what we do and remove waste, actually the more we minimize the opportunity for mistakes and improve quality. The independent sector here does have a lot to offer the overall system. We've got a long track record of delivering high levels of patient satisfaction and excellent patient outcomes in a cost-effective way. And, you know, I'm a great believer when you give patients information and choice, they start to make rational decisions. And it's quite interesting that in uh, February this year, when the NHS Choices Survey published their results based on information that patients had put forward, of the top 20 rated hospitals in the UK... Eight of them were run by, run by independent sector providers. And in fact, in the top 10, Ramsey had six of those facilities. You know, of course, the state has a crucial role to play, ensuring fair funding, ensuring patient choice, and that everyone, regardless of wealth, gets fair access. But it shouldn't be overlooked that the independent sector has played an important role in reducing waiting lists, driving up quality, and introducing innovation. Clearly, there are many professional groups and stakeholders who do have a vested interest in protecting the status. But as a taxpayer, I find it disappointing that the argument has been focused on protecting incumbent providers rather than putting the patient at the centre of the system and looking at how can we best fund healthcare and the growing demands that are going to um, be ever-increasing into the future. The arguments that have been put forward around the independent sector cherry-picking are probably the most misleading and confusing, particularly as we get paid tariff, and tariff is adjusted for complexity. We're only allowed to provide the services that we're allowed to do by commissioners and regulators. And actually, as a company, I would be very keen to provide the same range of services that I'm allowed to provide for my private patients. And in fact, we feel that the range of services that independent providers should be allowed to provide should max, uh, should actually match and be limited by the capabilities of their facility. Our experience overseas in Australia, Indonesia and France actually sees us providing a full range of health services from open heart surgery, maternity and emergency. We're actively involved in teaching and research in those countries. And in fact, the only service I can think we don't provide is major transplant. The reality is that it's the PCTs who are currently restricting patient choice in an effort to protect local trusts and to save money. 
In the CCP's re recent interim report issued in February, they identified that nearly half of all PCTs have been engaging in conduct inconsistent with the principles and rules of competition and cooperation. They've been capping the level of activities done by private providers, directing GPs in relation to where they should send patients, and putting in place triage and referral management centres that do not offer patient choice. To drive improvement in any system, you need competitive challenge. And of course it can come in different forms, but it does need to be expertly managed and tailored to suit the sector that it's applied to. Competition law is there to ensure that taxpayers get best value for money. And if you're going to have meaningful choice for patients, then you must have a means of managing competition between those providers so that it is beneficial to patients and not damaging. You know, with the watering down of the reforms, there is now a danger that parts of the NHS will turn it back further on competition. And we may actually be removing the key lever that the system needs to help it adapt to the financial challenges that it's going to face in the future. Over recent years, with the opening up of the NHS, many independent providers have worked and invested significantly to integrate um, their services into the NHS and many are deeply disappointed, I think, at the, um, the pulling back and the overall tone of the changes um, that have been announced. The independent sector is not the enemy of the public sector. We as a sector are able to deliver quality outcomes in a cost-effective manner. Our challenge is about how do we get factual information out into the public domain so that patients, doctors and commissioners can make choices. And Despite the current turmoil, we are pleased to see that the patient choice agenda is here to stay, and I believe the independent sector is well-placed to be part of the overall solution. The pause is over. Hopefully the legislative process will now proceed quickly so that we can have some clarity about the new landscape. And what really matters is the job of getting on and putting patients first. Thank you. Thanks very much, Jim.